BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Here for the Right Reasons, Us Weekly's Bachelor podcast. I am your host, Sarah Heron, and I am joined now by someone who everyone in Bachelor Nation knows quite well. He is adding author to his resume with 180 degrees on mental health, mindfulness, and unlacking self-belief. Hello, new author Clayton Eckerd. Sarah, honestly, it's it's been funny how much I've enjoyed the author title. Uh, I did it. I got to share one little funny quick story. Uh, I was out a couple weekends ago and I was talking to this girl because I'm a single man right now. And so uh, I was talking to her and we started, um, she like, she's, I, she jumped on my social media because uh, we were talking about, um, we had like chat a little bit back and forth on social media and she saw one of my recent posts and she goes, oh my gosh, you're an author. And I just remember like when she said it, I was like, I am. And then all of a sudden I was like, I am. And yes. it just like brought this sense of accomplishment. And I remember thinking like, man, I'm an author now. Like that kind of sounds cool. Uh, so it's just, it was funny because I I think of all like the titles I've had, football player, former bachelor, whatever. Um, that one I wear with so much pride. Um, and it just, and it just kind of feels good. I don't know. So I thought that was funny where there was the first time a girl was like, you're an author. Oh my gosh. And I was like, I guess that's, that's pretty cool, isn't it, right? Like, No, it is cool, and that's awesome. I can't wait to get into you being back on the dating scene. We'll get there. Uh, yeah, um, that's been something. I, I did read your book, and I pulled a few quotes that I wanted to ask you about and kind of go through, but I did love that you started with this um, open letter to yourself, and I feel like it... I just want to take me back to when you decided to sit down and do this. Was it something you were intimidated by? Were you excited by it? Was there any part of your journey, per, pardon, you know, the word that the bachelor uses, but it is a journey, um, either bachelor wise or stuff you talked about from middle school, high school that you were hesitant to include? Like, what was your feeling when you sat down to kind of finally start doing this? Well, I was very intimidated. Absolutely. Um, I, but I was prepped. I was told by my friends. I wrote I wrote it through his company. Um, he's a great friend of mine. We walked on the football team together at Mizzou. And he said, I want to give you a little bit of insight into what's going to come your way because I've went through it. I've written two books now. You're going to feel like an imposter first off. So you're going to start writing and you're going to all of a sudden stop and go, why am I writing this book? No one's going to read it. He goes, and most people will will end up shutting down at that point. He said, just keep writing, just keep writing. Do not let that stop you. And, and then beyond that, then I started having this discussion internally of why am I writing this, right? This every, every book should have a why. Otherwise it's just a bunch of mindless chatter. Uh, and so I said, what is my why? And that's where to, to your point, uh, or what you had brought up about the letter to my younger self, that was really my why. 
Um, I wrote the book to to instill hope into individuals that are hopeless. I I, I wrote the book to help individuals that have self doubt and want to get to a place of self confidence, um, because th- what I share in the stories or in, in throughout the book is how I was able to start establishing self belief, how I was able to find hope in in the, in a dark area where where it seemed like there was no light to be found. Uh, and so for me, that became the why. And I thought, you know, what would be really cool is to I remember still how I felt as a seventh grader when I first started struggling with with my um, body image issues and just overall mental health, I, because I still sometimes look in the mirror and see that kid. And uh, I, I still have to remind myself that, you know, your belief in yourself is who you who you will be. So if you choose confidence, this, this, you can actively choose it. It's easier said than done. So very tough. And and some days my confidence is conditional, but I just remember thinking, write this letter because you're writing it to your past self. Of course, my past self could not read that, but I thought there's somebody else here that's going to pick up this book that I might be writing it directly to them. And because I know this is how I felt and I know I'm not alone in this feeling. And so, uh, that just writing that out, uh, it felt very therapeutic. It, it allowed me to heal, uh, because it kind of helped me close the chapter on that stage of my life where I was able to give, it was, it was a letter of forgiveness, honestly, uh, just to say, Hey, younger self, I forgive you for, for not knowing and, and for, and for, and questioning your own self and for going to these dark places because you really were trying and my message to you is just to keep trying and just yeah. keep opening up, keep taking steps forward. You will eventually find the right people. You'll find the right knowledge. You just have to keep showing up every day. Um, and so that was actually, that was written towards, toward the end. I had that thought in my head of what I was writing for, but then I thought it would be really cool to actually write a letter to myself. And so I added that toward the end of the book, um, as far as like the writing process, and it really wrapped it all up. And I was like, this is my why. This is what it is. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I mean, one of the lines I pulled out from that part was you saying, you know, people, um, I had people telling me to purposely lay low, fall off the grid. And over time, people forget what I had done. But I didn't want to rely on the timing of others to bring that change in my life. And I think that's so interesting because this, you know, especially in term of bachelor world, like it is a cycle. There's always going to be a new bachelor or bachelorette or bachelor in paradise season and person messing up, quote unquote, or getting heat or doing anything or getting praised, by the way, all the good stuff, like it comes and goes, nothing lasts forever. But for you, I mean, because a lot of the stuff that happened was tied to the social media backlash and the intensity and like the hate, how did you find that balance of, I got to shut this off, but also like, I'm going to try to use this and I'm not going to let it stop me, if that makes sense. Yeah, to be honest with you, I became, I was growing so angry at people online because at first I I was being told, get lost, like just be, go, go be irrelevant. And eventually like this will all fade off. And so because I'm a people pleaser, my first thought was, okay, I'll, I'll do that. I'll literally fall off the grid right now um, and wait for it to blow over. But then it just wouldn't blow over. People kept commenting. My name kept getting brought back up, whether it was like on the next show or whatever. Right. And I started to become very angry. And I was like, I am so tired of waiting for you all to allow me to heal. But why am I? Why am I waiting on you all? Like, I, that's that's the dumbest thing, because there's always going to be somebody that's going to continue to bash me and tell me to get lost and say, you haven't taken enough time away for us to forgive you. 
and I realized a lot of this anger was was just people projecting their own insecurities and anger onto me. And so I I realized I'm like, they don't hate me, me so much as they hate who I remind them of because they don't know me. Like, and I started to, and that was partly my ego at first that kind of like went there was like, you don't know me. But then I really stepped back. I was like, no, Clayton, they really don't know you. Like they saw you for a limited period of time on TV and it was you, it was, it was your actions. People saw my decision-making ability. That was my decision-making ability. And that was my way of handling conflict, all things that I didn't do a good job at, but that was just a small part of me. People didn't know what I was struggling with internally. People does, didn't know what, people didn't even know what my interests were. People are like, what does this guy even do? Like, we don't even know what he likes to do in his free time. No one really knew I was a blank slate. And so I started to reflect upon this and say, and realize that people are hating me for what I remind them of, but they don't really hate me so much. And also they're holding this anger against what I kind of felt like was just a small sliver of my life, a character, if you will. And so I thought, well, just be your authentic self and open back up and people won't tell you to get lost when they realize who you actually are. Uh, so I started just doing that. I, I said, you know what, it's time for me to, to heal on my own terms because they're like the, the timing is not, it's not happening at the speed I want it to. Everyone else is like, I, I, I'm not, I can't rely on others. So I'm going to take this into my own hands. Um, and then I just started putting my, my story out there. I started just being vulnerable and saying, this is what's going on right now. And it sucks. And uh, if you want to know the behind the scenes of what's going on in a, a post-bachelor or bachelorette's head, I'm going to show you. Because I went from being a regular person like everybody else to being on TV to going a couple months later right back off TV. So I was like, I am no different than any of you all. Even though it seems like all of a sudden I'm now in this, some people say celebrity, I don't like using that word, but they're like, he's not like us. I'm like, yes, I am. I'm legitimately like all of you. I've, I was only on TV for like four months total. Yeah. So well, filming uh, for four months. And I said, you can't disregard the 28 years of my life prior uh, yeah. of the being that I, that I am. And so I started sharing and I slowly start people seeing, saying, wow, actually I actually have a lot in common with Clayton. And for me, I was like, of course you do. Cause again, I for, take those four months out and we're all the same. But, um, but yeah, I, I just, I found out and realized that I could control this narrative, but I, I just had to be myself. And I just, instead of hiding, I had to show people who I really was. And, and I've done that and, and it's been a really positive reception. And anyone who wants more of like what you are and what you're about and how you kind of came to this conclusion that the book does teach you, teach people a lot about you. And also I feel like I would imagine for a lot of men would find a lot of this really relatable of things that they necessarily wouldn't feel comfortable even saying out loud at this point, which is like taboo and uh, you know, not, not great, but something that with body dysmorphia and a lot of the stuff you wrote about, I just would imagine it probably feels like a lot of men are, can like see themselves hundred percent in that. And it takes courage to write it out. You know what I mean? Well, and the thing is too, is I've had so many conversations, men and women alike, actually, I, I get just as many women that approach me about body dysmorphia because statistically speaking, just as many men suffer as women do. Right. So it's a very common problem uh, that 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 is present in society and doesn't help also as well with social media and filters and, uh, you know, comparison culture. And so it's it's become even worse uh, over time. But with that, what I've often found is I've had people message me and they said, you just helped me realize that I, I think I have body dysmorphia because you talked about pinching your stomach and staring at your, your stomach in the mirror and fixating on it in an obsessive manner. And they said, you know, I realize I do that but I never had to put a name to it. So I didn't know what I was struggling with and it drove me crazy. And that's, what's really cool about self-education, which I talk about in the book, education being the second principle is it's often more like calming to know what you're struggling with than to have no idea. 
Because if you have no idea with, of what you're struggling with, you can't fix it. At least not per, you, you. You can't do it with with uh, uh, intentionally. Right. Uh, you don't stumble on, upon a solution. But again, you can't intentionally change it. The second somebody now knows what they're struggling with, you make that unknown unknown. Now they have okay. Now I can find resources to to help myself. And so, just talking about it, I, I people said I had no idea, but like I also struggle with this and. Um, it's really cool because you can see that, that that light bulb turns on and all of a sudden now that loom, that room is illuminated and they're like, oh my gosh, wait, there's all these resources that I didn't know where to look because I had no idea there was even a name for what I'm experiencing. I didn't even know really what I was experiencing. I just had some extreme fixation on me. Um, so it's been really cool and it just, it's become really easy for me to speak about. I've been vocal well before the show about it. I started having these conversations in college. Um, and I talk about it in the book, but I opened up to the wrong people and they used it against me. They weaponized my body image issues with the, or body dysmorphia. They, they said, uh, they called me bad body act. That was my nickname by some of my teammates in college. Cause they knew that I didn't like my body. Right. So they would say that and it would eat me up and I would laugh it off. But in reality, they knew it bothered me. Uh, and, and that's the thing where I try to tell people though, is when you open up to the wrong people, it, it will hurt you. It will. It, it's, it absolutely will. But when you open up to the right people, it'll help you tremendously. So we can't be scared to shut, you know, shut off our voices and suppress because society tells us a lot of times, especially men, um, with body dysmorphia, suppress these things because you shouldn't be talking about them because men don't struggle with this. And so there's this like silencing effect or, 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 and it's, and it's, it's, it's meant, I don't know what, why society says, just don't think about it or don't talk about it because in reality it makes it worse. And the right. best thing you can do is be vocal about it because the more vocal we are, the more that we realize the less that we're alone. And so, but society always told me growing up, just like, stop, don't talk about it. You're, you're not a man. If you, if you express these, these feelings, real men don't struggle with emotions. Um, and they can, will, they can will their way out of mental health struggles. They, they just, they just stop thinking about it. If they don't want to be depressed. They just stop being depressed. That's, that's, that's what men can do. They can control their minds. And I'm like, I, I now look at it. And I just think like all these people that I heard, listen to, I'm like, do you, so, so everything you're saying sounds a little bit sexist because you're basically saying, oh, women can't will their way out of it, but men are right. strong. Enough. Um, and I just realized I was around a lot of closed-minded individuals. And so thankfully this whole experience has opened up my mind and um, I realized that, oh, I, uh, there's a lot that can be done, but it all starts with having a conversation. Yeah, a hundred percent. You said a lot of things I want to touch on, but one thing that when you, were, you wrote about your body dysmorphia, you did note that like the first night of the bachelorette, you were super self-conscious and like thought about leaving because you were fixated on how you were going to look on camera. And everyone says the camera adds 10 pounds and how you were going to walk up to Michelle and all the things, which I'm sure everyone probably feels some sense of insecurity in front of cameras for the first time. But as someone who had struggled with that before, did you ever get used to it? And like, did you, did you really seriously like think about not maybe getting out of that limo because of some like body dysmorphia stuff? I would say at that time, I wasn't... Stepping out of the limo, my concern wasn't primarily body dysmorphia focus because I had on a suit, suit fit really well. Well, mine didn't fit as well as other guys did, not until I became <laughs> the bachelor. Um, then I started having like all the tailored suits and then it really fit yeah. well. But like, you know, for someone with body dysmorphia, clothes are a cover, right? Clothes cover up that you can't, I can't see my stomach when my, when my clothes are over the top of it. I still pinch my stomach with my clothes on, but it's at least in that moment, it's, it's, I'm like, no one else can see my insecurity. So therefore it's not top of mind. Also more than that, it was, um, yeah, I had so much else going on in my head of just don't say something stupid, but right. like I said, when I walk 
when I walked up to Michelle, I was thinking, I, my all of a sudden I remember I was paying attention to my arms and I was like, am I swaying them too much? I, I, I start overanalyzing everything because you see 10 cameras and you think they could instant replay any of this if they wanted to. And if I trip up on my words, they're going to like keep the cameras rolling right. um, and capture that awkwardness because it'll make for great TV. So my biggest thing was, is go up there, nail your intro and then you're just going to take this experience minute by minute because everything is being watched. So you have to be, I, I didn't want to be, but I felt like in the first few days, I was very calculated. I was very, I, I, I like the guys would tell you if, if, um, if they talked about it, I was one of the quietest dudes. I barely spoke uh, whenever like they would have all the men sitting around talking. I just sat back. I, I, cause I, I didn't, I was too fearful of saying something dumb. I didn't want to bring negativity my way. And so I literally just sat back and I, I was like, I am going to be as cautious as possible because I don't want to shoot my mouth off and all of a sudden be the center focus of some drama. Um, and so, yeah, I, I but I, I thought night one, I almost left six times more so because I felt out of place. Mm. Uh, just the guys coming down the steps and their intros and what they were wearing. And they seem so comfortable acting ridiculous. Like some of these <laughs> guys, like, you know, I just the, the things they were doing for their intros. And I thought these guys are so comfortable in their own skin and I'm not. So how can I, how can I be here amongst these men? I'm going to be so out of place because I'm the only one here seemingly that lacks the confidence. So how, how can I even compete amongst them? How can I fight for, uh, you know, this one woman when all of these men have this confidence that I cannot acquire and haven't been able to find my entire life. And so I started just talking myself out of it. And, um, yeah, about six times, I remember about six moments where I almost went up to the producer and was like, can I go home? Um, yeah. I just, I, for me, it was, I was uncomfortable and I didn't like it. And I wanted to resort back to what I knew that place of comfort. And I was like, I'm just gonna go back to Missouri and go back to my sales job and, and just never, ever try something like this ever again. But thankfully, I, I mean, imagine if you did so much has happened. Since yeah. I, it's what's so wild to me is, and, and now I can look back at it and think how it's what, what, what scares me sometimes is how much life can change with one simple decision. And it's right. so scary and you can't play this what if game, but there's so many people that at the end of their lives, I talk to like, I love talking to my elders because, um, you know, they have so much insight to pull from all that experience they've had, but so many of them, I always hear the common theme or threat, like said, uh, common theme of, I wish I would have not cared as much as what, about what other people thought I played it too safe. I should have just did what I wanted to do. And I hear that so many times from people that are that, that are nearing, you know, that are, have lived so much life. And I thought, well, if that's what everyone's saying, I don't want to be that person. So maybe I should stop focusing so much on what others, others think and just do, just yeah. do these things. Um, and yeah, thankfully I didn't go home that, that first night and here I am now and my life is better than it's ever been. Yeah. That's crazy to think about. Um, in some of the stuff about body dysmorphia, you wrote that going from self-talk to self-motivation requires years of practice if you want to see real change. So kind of like a lot of what I took away from reading your book is like framing how th things are going to happen to you. Or you're going to make decisions, but the way you look at it and how you learn from it, it, it changes everything. And with body stuff, I think, I mean, everyone, I feel like everyone goes through some version of it. And it, a lot of people always do say like, if you can look in the mirror and like, thank your body for something, like you're going to look at it in a positive sense versus always pointing out the negative. So is that kind of what you've learned in the sense of how to go about life and not have that kind of takeover? I mean, you wrote, you're still a work in progress. I think everyone is, but like, as far as 
like the body part of it and things like that, where, where, how do you feel like what's your biggest conclusion and everything like that? Yeah. You know what I've heard people and I've read about it and they said, you have to look at your body for all the great things it can do, not just look at it as a physical from a physical appearance standpoint, but think about all the functionality that, um, you know, how great it is. And our bodies are absolutely incredible. And if you can look at your body that way, then um, sure, like you'll start to have a more positive outlook overall. And then those positive thoughts will, will um, be much more po- popular or will be more common than the negative ones. But something that I, I recently was on a podcast and I was listening to this, I was talking with a psychologist and um, I, I asked him, I did say, I, I said, with body dysmorphia, how, how do, do you overcome it one day or do you just better manage it? Because I, I haven't heard many stories of people saying they've overcome body dysmorphia. I feel like we just live with it. and. Right find a way to better manage it. Um, I said, how, how can you though get to that place where you may be able to conquer it? And again, I, I say conquer, I, I don't know if you fully ever get rid of it, but he said, uh, you know, you have to be able to almost detach from, from the disorder itself. So not, not, don't take that disorder and say, this is me. This is something that I struggle with. And so that detachment allows you to, to, to basically, uh, like dissociate from it in a way where you're like, I am struggling with this, but this is temporary because it's it's something that I'm struggling with. It's not my identity because the second you take it on as your identity, then you're, you're living amongst us as this will always be a part of my life. And so he was talking about this dissociation and, and I may not be um, regurgitating it as well as he did. I, in fact, I know I'm, I'm not. We're but, not doctors here. <laughs> yeah. but, but I will, but I have to be, you know, I want to be very cautious and careful for someone that might be listening and go, okay, so I just have to, because they think detachment means, uh, means to just ignore it. I just need to stop thinking about it. That's not, that's not at all what I'm saying. We, you, you just have, it's a framework though. It's a framework of how you have to get to a place of where you can look at your struggles and say, this is not who I am. It's just something I struggle with. Right. Um, and I did this not with body dysmorphia, but I did this with the show. Um, I found myself not knowingly, but now I see I was doing it all along. I was detaching myself from the bachelor Clayton. I, I started to tell people that that was who I was. It's not who I am. Mm-hmm. And I started to frame it in my head as that was just one part of my life, but that doesn't mean I'm going, I I have to be that person the rest of my life. So what everyone thought of him that like, you can think that, but I'm no longer him. This is where I am now. So it it helped me. I detached. I still acknowledge that he existed, but you know, I, I talk about this and I truthfully do believe it. I'm like, I no longer am him. And I, and I even tell people here, I have this all the time. I'm like, I want to be known as Clayton Eckerd, the kid from Missouri, right? I don't want to be known as Clayton Eckerd, the bachelor. One day I hope to be known as Clayton Eckerd, the mental health advocate. Like, I don't want people to be like, oh, you're the bachelor. And people say it, right? And I get it. Like, they're excited when they see me. But eventually, right. one day, I want it to be where people are like, oh, you're that, you're the mental health advocate. Like, that's, like, and beyond that, though, not just a mental health advocate, but just a good human being. Like, I've tried to dissociate from it. And it's, and, but again, acknowledging that it exists. But in order to heal, I've said that, okay, I'm closing the chapter on this. Uh, and I just don't like, I, I watch the show or I've seen clips of it and it's weird because I look at it and I see myself, but it doesn't feel like me. Wow. It's like my, I have completely dissociated where I look at it and I'm like, that is me, but it doesn't feel like me when I'm watching the clip. That was, that was an old version of me. 
So yeah. it's worked though. I mean, it, it really has helped me heal because I just, I, I've given myself grace to say that was you, but it's not you anymore. Yeah. Something that's so interesting about how that all even played out for you was obviously, as everybody knows, like it got leaked before Michelle's season even aired. So we like, I remember covering it on the news perspective and being like, all right, like, I can't wait to see what this guy's all about. He must be so great if they're, you know, pulling it out and I know they can't control it. And then you were set up in, I mean, kind of for failure. Cause what were they going to do all of a sudden make it your, your show and it's Michelle's season. Like, I don't, I don't know what they could have even done to be quite honest. And it's no right. one's fault. I just think it was the headspace of when you're watching as a viewer, you're like looking for like something for you to, I don't even know what we were, anyone was waiting for you to do, but I feel like people probably, at least I felt like I was waiting for some big, like, oh, this is why they're giving him, I don't know, sob story or this or that. And it's crazy because I, I just don't know for you what you could have done or what you could have felt like, but that imposter syndrome, I can only imagine from not only you, you get chosen as the bachelor for whatever reason, which you don't know why they picked you necessarily. Like you're Who are you? To, why would you ever say no to that? It's a great gig, but right. also now you have to try to, you're starting from behind because people were looking for some crazy thing to happen. I feel like from Michelle's season to validate the choice, if that makes sense. Thousand, thousand percent makes complete sense. And I felt every bit of those high expectations and it didn't help when my tagline came out and I was the underdog. That's what right. I didn't pick that. I was like, why am I the underdog? Like, I mean, in my own life, knowing my entire life story, I always did feel like the underdog. Absolutely. I did because I used to, you know, I used to, to be in everyone's shadows. So I kind of was like, okay, yeah, I, I, I feel like an under, I've always felt like an underdog and I've had a chip on my shoulder, but then I, then everyone else was like, this dude is a stereotypical white dude, six, five, you know, former sales rep probably gets all these women. Like he's not an underdog at all. And then it hit football. me. I go, oh, I, yeah. Football. Yeah. And I, then it hit me. I go, Oh, nobody else knows my past. So they're only judging me off of this exact moment. I have to live up to this expectation now. And you're right. Everybody, when they announced me before her season even aired, it was Michelle's season started and everyone already knew, well, there's a bachelor within this, this, this show. Yeah. So then it became, we're watching her story, but we obviously want to see what this guy's about. And when are we going to have this massive, something must've happened where like, this guy is so incredible that we're all going to just fall in love with him. Um, but then there was a dynamic of the show couldn't overshare, like show me. Cause if they showed me too much, they'd take away from her season. Right. So there was a balancing act of like, we can't like make it his season. It's Michelle's season. So they, I, and I got that and I was like, I'm like, yeah, I don't want to like overshadow her. She's she, she deserves her own season and all. And like, this is about her. Um, but then what happened was, is they put, showed me at the beginning, they showed me like episode six when I get sent home or whatever it was. And everyone's like, that's it. Like you got, you just force fed us on that last episode and he he got a letter from the kids and cried and that's he all the he, kids. Yeah. Like, oh, he, he, he like he's so what he he has a, he cried once and now he's the bachelor. Why is he more deserving than these other men? And I got that I, at the time. I also, though, my perspective was like, well, I am a good guy. Do I think I deserve it more than these other dudes? Absolutely not. But again, that's not my decision. Like I was just asked. So I just right. accepted it. But then I found out very quickly that people put me up here as far as what they wanted me to be or what they expected out of me. But you're right. If I would have asked any of them, what are you expecting out of me like that I don't have? I think people would have just come up with, I mean, I don't know if anyone, anyone had an answer. I've no. since, seen, I've since seen that people said we, we, you know, we, we should, they should have picked somebody that, um, you know, knew what they wanted and, and, is, and is secure and has a stable job. And I saw that like relatively recently. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I had a job for five years as a medical sales rep. Right. Now, I, get, I get that people were saying, you know, he's since switched careers and he's struggled with this transition. I understand that. 
But, but my thought was, was like, yeah, but that wasn't something you knew that I struggled with until right. I became vulnerable about it. So yeah, it was unrealistic expectations of what I was supposed to be. And people were upset and, and just, they expect perfection and, and it's damned if you do damned if you don't. I mean, Zach is handling the season very well. And yet here we go. Same exact, if you, if you honestly, if you took the negative comments from what he's getting and my negative comments and you mixed them up and then I threw them out there and said, which one do you comment do you think came from Zach or is towards Zach and toward me? You wouldn't be able to tell. It's they're literally the exact same thing. Then our stories are exactly the opposite right now from a TV standpoint. And yet it's all the same. It's crazy so you just can't win. for you when you were, so you, you feel all this, you're like, know that that's happening. It's crazy because it all of you filmed so much of it before any of it airs. But first, do you think if because a lot of times the bachelorette gets the advantage of getting to watch her full season of The Bachelor and then becomes the bachelorette and has a little bit of like kind of seeing how it works and plays out. You filmed the season with Michelle, then went into filming before you watched anything. And you and you you wrote that you like you didn't hesitate much about accepting the gig because you had so much fun on The Bachelorette and it ended up being great. Do you mm -hmm. think if you had gotten to kind of watch it and then taking the thing would you have been as willing to sign on um i still think i would have i would have been i still think i would have taken it regardless um yeah. but i i would have had more time like let's just say if i would have had six seven months in between filming her season and then all of a sudden being asked to be the bachelor um i would have had more car i would have had time to have conversations with the previous leads so I would have had a ton of those conversations to get the insight on that. I would have watched the season. So I would have seen how the public reacted, you know, how, how, how they, like what was shown versus like what the, you know, what was all occurred. I would see like the narratives and all that, that the show was pushing. And I would say, okay, I, I can see how this whole thing operates. And it would have definitely then influenced my mind where I would have then walked in as the bachelor with more of an understanding. What ended up happening is I went from the bachelorette to the bachelor, no time in between. I literally just was like, this was great. I'll jump into this. And so I walked in and had zero idea what was going to happen with the one the one thing that was said to me was, if you're a good person, that's how you'll be portrayed. And I took that and ran with it. I thought, Aww. okay, I'm a good person. So I'll just run with that and trust the process. And um, yeah, I mean, I've just found out that the show, I've met other people as well. Good people aren't always portrayed as good people uh, on TV. It gets uh, messy. It gets messy. And, and villains and, and uh, villains can be some of the sweetest people and, and some of the, some of the fan favorites are some of the, the, the biggest villains. Uh, yeah. And I've seen that now and I, it, and it is what it is. Uh, I'm not going to, you'll never catch me calling those people out, but right. um, it is, it's just something, it's the way it is. It's the nature of the beast uh, that, that's just how reality TV works. But I did not know that until after the fact. See, sometimes the like naiveness, though, is what makes for good television and an entertaining point of view, because watching a bachelor maybe fumble, it can be fascinating television. And as I we were saying before we started recording, as long as we if we just need to get back to a place in society where we can watch someone make a mistake and not act like their life should be over for it, because it's more interesting to watch people make mistakes and you don't want to watch people get hurt. But to some degree, I don't want the perfect bachelor. I want my bachelor to be messy and maybe drop two L-bombs or say, you know, sleep with more than one girl like that's I want to be entertained. I don't want anyone to feel devastated and be, you know, hysterically collapsed on the bottom of the stairs. I'm not saying that that was great. But you know what I mean? Like, if we could just talk about it and watch people as for what it was and then turn the TV off and move on, it wouldn't be so much pressure on the leads and on the show, not to defend the show, but for them to try to figure out what the hell people want to watch at this point. Because it's like, where do we go from here? Yeah, no. And I think what you've I mean, there have been leads in the past that were super calculated and um, 
they 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 knew all the ins and outs and so they they played that game of how can i um best you know put myself out there where i where i can look my best and so i'll do whatever it takes and um and 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 that calculation can can oftentimes be be turned into boring it can be boring or it can just be it's 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 just read by an audience where they're like this isn't authentic and so uh, and i've seen that certain people have been called out for it we're like oh this person was working you know they they say quote unquote alongside producers and so like they uh yeah they it's like they were super calculated and then they after the fact people uh, as as time goes on they they're like this what we saw on tv versus is who you are are different people um but like maybe not in the best way now we're seeing your true colors right uh, but now you the thing is is after my season um i talked to more than a few men uh that had come off and they were like i don't want anything to do with that because uh after what you went through i don't want to subject myself to that uh and i think that's where now i don't know i'm curious to see where things had i mean uh, I think this is a very safe season right now with 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 uh, Zach. He's doing everything uh, very. He's doing very well. Um, but you see what happens when people do all of the when they're when they're not reckless and and not. I mean, it wasn't purposely reckless, but when. Right. Uh, but when you know when you're playing it safe, it doesn't translate to entertaining often. And so, again, that's what the show has really. I mean, when you think of The Bachelor, everybody thinks drama. I don't really think anyone really thinks of a love story. Honestly, I mean, there not are anymore. some out of it yeah. yeah there's something that came out of it early on but like most times when people think of bachelor they think you know good looking people that are that, that are dramatic and that's kind of what the show is and so um if you want that though you gotta allow people to make mistakes without basically um you know putting them out in the chopping block and 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 feeding them to the wolves and that's where it's become now is it's become so nasty online yeah. that i think you're seeing more people that are like i don't really want to be the next lead or whatever, because I don't want to subject myself to this because why would I, what's the, you know, an influencer age is dying on top of that. So why would somebody subject themselves to that, to, you know, if they're not going to be able to change their life from it? I mean, yeah. you're seeing it now, Zach, if, if you're, if you care about followers, you know, he's got a hundred, hundred thousand or whatever it is. Is that enough to change someone's life? No, I mean, no. it's not. I have the followers I have. It's not life changing. Um, I've I've changed my life, but the opportunities that have come my way, I've worked my ass off for. I was it, I, I'm not making all this money. I'm, it didn't change my life in that realm where like I can just kick my feet back. Like right. I've had to work, I had to work harder than ever to first off rebrand myself, but then also to just make an honest living in the in the in the way that I want to. So um, yeah, it's t when all the things considered, I think people are starting to see now that like hey. Why would I put myself go put myself in that position when like there's no good return that like the, the risk isn't worth the reward? Why would I get ripped to shreds for just you know maybe a, a couple brand deals that 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 might pay my bills for a year? Yeah, um, so and a couple of years ago it was getting life changing follower was, money and stuff, it so it's changed. And like I don't know what that is, or I don't know if it's Instagram everything's just oversaturated and stuff, but. Even though there's always going to be that like story on the show of who's there for the right reasons, who's whatever, it's like it's not even worth being there for the wrong reasons at this point because you're not going to get enough followers for well, it. And yeah, and that's the thing is like again, people say we don't want these influencers, and I get that, right? Like I genuinely went on the Bachelorette because I just wanted to change a pace in my life, and I thought, well, maybe someone will watch the show and go, I like this guy, and then like some girl will reach out to me and find me in the middle of nowhere, Missouri. Right. So I that was like I was innocent in that thought process, but then when I became the Bachelor, I thought, well, now I 
have now I'm in the driver's seat. They're going to bring in 30 incredible women. My chances of finding love are going to actually be very realistic as opposed to being one in 30. Now, like I'm in the driver's seat. So I, I thought this could happen. But I also, again, like I knew that or was told that this will be life changing. You'll be able to, to, to chase your dreams, do whatever you want. And I th- I was like, well, that sounds really enticing. And, and so for all the fear of what could go wrong, this could change my life for the better. And, and you know what? It has because I've really worked my ass off like to, to and it, it was it's definitely like being the bachelor opens doors for you. Yeah. Um, but you got to you got to work for it. And I think now people say, well, we don't want these influencers. OK, so you want some rand normal person that doesn't want fame and opportunity. Do you think that normal person's going to quit their job? with no opportunities to come through just to put themselves on TV after how everyone's been ripped to shreds as a reason. If they're not perfect, then you're going to hate them anyway. (laughs) So it has to be worth it. And I think we're at a place right now where people are starting to say, is it worth it? Because if I can't benefit from this, then why would I subject myself to that just for others entertainment? I mean, that's, um, so that's, that's, it's, I find it interesting. I, mean, I don't know where it's going to head right now, but yeah. people, people are tired of influencers and I get that you're tired of people making a ton of money, posting these ads and all this. And, um, you know, you want to see more p- people that are going on for the right reasons, but again, like, do you want to go on that and and risk it all to hopefully find a person that you, that you love? And if you don't, then what did you give up? Um, yeah. you give up a lot, you know, to, to do it. So I always say half of being the bachelor is being in on the joke and like being able to laugh off at least the parts that are laugh offable, not like the two, you know, their people go too far for sure. But with Zach and this boring label, he's trying, I feel like to lean into it a little bit and like be funny on Instagram and be sarcastic. And I think that that's great. And it sucks that he has to do that. But I think that that's kind of the the move, especially while the show is still airing. Have you spoken to him at all? And like, what, what do you say to the, to the boring bachelor? Would you like, do you want to be boring or do you want to be the controversial bachelor? Like what's even, what's better? What's worse? Well, I did uh, make that comment to him uh, because I was the boring bachelor until I wasn't in the last three episodes. Um, And so I felt that. And uh, for me personally, uh, I hated the word boring because I had um, I had an insecurity of, of, yeah, not feeling good enough uh, when I was younger and always being a people pleaser. And so boring was probably the worst word word you could ever call me. Uh, And so it really hurt. It stung when I got was called the boring bachelor. Um, but what I found out was I would rather be known as the boring bachelor than known as the, you know, the, the piece of, you know, what, or the, the, the D bag bachelor or the, um, terrible human being. Like I'd rather people just call me boring than start to attack my character and say that I'm a terrible human being. And so I did mention that to him. I said, Hey, being the boring bachelor, it's not fun, but if you're confident in who you are, um, you won't, it won't sting you as much as it did me, but, uh, it's, you'll be a lot happier to walk away with a genuine love connection or with just an experience and being known as boring than being, you know, absolutely thrown fed to the wolves and, and torn apart and, and going through this mental struggle of, of people telling you to kill yourself and all this negativity. I'm like, dude, boring. You'll be so grateful to be boring at the end of it all. So just trust me on that. And, and, uh, he was, you know, he, he, he seems to have a great head on his shoulders. And, and he said, listen, man, I, if boring's the worst thing I'm called, uh, then I'd say it was a success. So, um, I, yeah. Yeah. So I think he's handling it very well. Um, and, uh, and, and I, and I'm proud of him and I think he's done an incredible job from what I've seen. Uh, and, and you know what, at the end of the day, uh, if he continues to just be himself, he'll be grateful for the whole thing and he'll have a story to tell and, 
uh, five years from now, people, you know, the boring will, will maybe be attached to them, but it just won't matter. I mean, the sting yeah. goes over time. You, you write about imposter syndrome a few times also with football and the bachelor and everything. When you were filming the season of the bachelor going from what we were saying of, you know, not knowing why you were chosen or whatever in the backlash, then you go into filming it, then it airs. When you were filming it, was there ever a point where you did kind of get to let your guard down and be like, I'm the bachelor. And like, we're they, I'm sure producers were trying to reassure you, like you're here for a reason. You're a good person. We see something in you. Like, did you believe it? Cause I'm, and I know that's definitely true, but like, did you believe it? Like where you got to at least enjoy part of it and be like, Oh, I'm the bachelor. And then is that how you let your guard down where maybe you got a little too into being the bachelor and we ended up how we did. But you know what I mean? No, it's a good question. Um, yeah, I, 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 when you asked that question, I, I, my mind instantly jumped to Havar, Croatia. Um, I think, and, and I, yeah, now that I reflect upon it, uh, as the more I'm thinking about it, there was a very powerful moment for me. It wasn't shown um, on TV. It's, and it's not like I'm giving behind the scenes information that's going to get me caught up, but no. um, we had an hour boat ride out to Havar. And it was on, on the boat and I was sitting in the back of the boat. Water was, you know, waves were splashing up and we're getting all over me. But it was just this very peaceful, beautiful moment of like the waves crashing and our boat ride. And I'm just in my thoughts back there sitting there. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. And I remember just taking it in and I had this just overwhelming sense of appreciation. I, I, I was like, this is absolutely wild. You are in Croatia right now. You're taking an hour boat ride to this secluded little town. You're the bachelor. Like you are the bachelor. You know, your mom watched the show growing up all the time. Um, I, I say this, it's it's kind of, I I, I, used to, I said this to my brothers, um, I thought it was really funny and I just wanted to get under their skin, but I would always, I would tell them, I was like, hey, do you guys realize that there have been more US presidents than there have bachelors? Um, and they'd be like, shut up. And I just, <laughs> I would like wink at them and walk away. I was like, pretty crazy. Yeah, um, that is crazy. Yeah. So I would like always use that joke when I wanted to get under their skin because I just thought it was funny. Um, but yeah, I'd say in Croatia was when it hit me that I was like, I just remember thinking I am the bachelor. Like I'm the dude, like I'm that, I'm the one guy, like how, who would have thought my mom, again, my mom watched the show growing up. I saw these people on TV and now I'm, I'm the dude. And so, yeah, it hit me. I took it in. I was having a ton of fun at that point, really just like enjoying the moments. Uh, but then the danger was, uh, is I think I lost myself in that role, and then I, it became, oh, I'm the bachelor. People know how things operate around here. Right. So uh, instead of me going the extra mile to over communicate, I just made the assumption that, well, we all know how this works here. So uh, if it's just, it's not the same, like things don't operate here as they do in the real world. If, if I know, I, I would never be able to get away with dating 30 women. And if I was at a bar and I kissed one girl, those other 29 women would leave. Right. It wouldn't. It wouldn't hang around. So as I'm kissing girls in front of other girls on the show and it becomes commonplace, you think, well, this is just not normal. This is not how real life operates. Therefore, nothing here operates like the real world does. So everybody understands this. And it's almost as if there's if you get a pass in a way, like I don't know if pass is the right way to put it, but you just think we all know things work. Everyone signed the same waiver agreement and like real feelings get involved. But you're thinking you're you're from the bachelor point of view as the bachelor. 
these women are on the, when I was on the bachelorette, I expected Michelle to maybe do X, Y, and Z. So they're expecting me now to do X, Y, and Z. And there is some truth to that. Like, it's not a, it's, it makes sense. Like, I think I asked you when you were with Susie at the end and I was like, when should the bachelor start thinking in real world point of view? Like it does end, but I don't know if there's a right answer. Cause then maybe people would call the bachelor calculated or manipulative because they're like worried too much about the future and how it's going to air. Like, I don't know if there's a right answer. Yeah. So uh, I can only speak from like my own experience, but I think about how uh, like Susie never, I think she all, never, you know, allowed herself to like be in that world. She always mm-hmm. kept a real world. Like her mindset was always real world. And so I do remember reading online at one point when she decided, said she couldn't move forward with me. Um, you know, there was a camp of people that, that were calling her out and saying, she's so calculated. She's just trying to find a way out. Um, so she can be the next bachelorette. And so there's a perfect example of somebody that legitimately was just being genuine and didn't allow that bachelor world to consume her. She was like, I'm expecting real world expectations here to like, like, I think she gave a little wiggle room. Like, obviously, again, like if you asked her, she's like, yeah, if I was out in public and some dude kissed some girl, I would I wouldn't stick around and try to date him. Um, but like, I think she still held a lot of her values in the real world, which I think you should do. Uh, but, but there you go. Like she did do that. And people were like, oh, she's calculated when in reality, she just had hard and set rules that she was like, I cannot look past this. And I would never look past it no matter what environment we were in. Um, so there you go. You have an example of somebody that, uh, stuck to their guns and, and stayed, you know, kept it in the real world mindset. And I allowed mine to, to relax. And then, um, ultimately that's where I started feeling really remorseful and sad and why I went on this apology tour of sorts is because I realized I had sacrificed my values and morals to try to please everybody. Um, and then what I, and I realized I didn't want to, I shouldn't have done that because then I started having a conflict, uh, of now I have to answer to something, which I wish I'd have never have done, but I did it right. because I thought it had to be something, uh, to keep everybody happy. The, you know, the, the, fans happy, the girls happy, the producers happy. And so because I was a people pleaser, I was just like, what can I do to keep everyone happy? Um, this is what's expected of me, I suppose. So I'll just do these things. Yeah. And, and you and even then- wrote like you were one of those people who when you were like fighting with Susie at the end and you were like, you're embarrassed to look back and be like, how was I accusing her of trying to get something out of her own benefit? I don't know who I'm looking at anymore. I was oh, I was actually questioning myself, but I was blaming it on her. Like you even had like a moment in real time being like, oh, like we are on different rules here. Like you're in the real world now. I'm the bachelor. Like, of course I can do what I want. Like, not that you actually feel that way, but you know what I mean? And there is something to be said as the lead. Like you should get to feel confident and excited, but there is a weird line of when do I now worry that, you know, being the bachelor doesn't necessarily mean I should, you know, fall in love with rude people if I can help it. You know what I mean? I don't know. There's no answer. No. Yeah. There's, there is no real right answer. And people would say, well, don't fall in love with multiple people. And I was right there with everybody else. I kept saying to the, to the producers, I'm not going to fall in love with multiple people. That's that's, there's no way I will not allow myself to. Uh, But then there became the discussion of, well, am I holding myself back? What if, Mm -hmm. how about you just allow yourself to feel these feelings, quit being so guarded because I did find out on the show, I was so guarded where I didn't want to fall for multiple people at once. So I was holding back. And the women could notice that they could see that like I wasn't I was withholding things from them. They would do they would open up to me and with a large share and I I would be withholding it because I didn't want to equally share because I was afraid that that vulnerability would create a stronger connection. And then I would start having multiple connections in different areas. So I had that moment where uh, that that discussion where it was uh, it was a matter of 
Clayton, you're holding back and these women are pouring their hearts out, but at some point they're going to stop because they can feel the resistance on your end. Right. And so I said, okay, well then I'm just going to open up and, and be real with them and, and, and share also share to the same degree that they are. So we can build this trust. Well, then I started opening up and spilling out, you know, to multiple women and they reciprocated and I started building this really strong connections. And then all of a sudden, as I'm building them all at the same time, I started realizing I'm feeling something that feels like love, but it's, it's, I feel it in multiple areas. And I remember the first time that I finally admitted I was in love with multiple people, I was laughing, not because I, I thought it was funny because it was a nervous laugh. I was actually yeah. laughing hysterically, like, because I, I was like, oh my gosh, you are screwed. Like you're, I'm in love with three people. And I was like, I'm in love with three people. And like producers are looking at me like, Oh, let's go. What's, what's going on with this guy? Um, but like, I kind of was a little bit broken as I later said, but I felt like I, I just was like, well, this is what like, this is wild. Like, I don't even like who, I can't believe I'm here, right. but I, I've fallen for multiple people. And then you go through a stage where you're like really happy. Cause you're like, I have all this love. And then you get to the point where like, wait, I, I can't move forward with all three of these women. Right. It's crazy. I remember, I remember thinking at one point, um, I don't know if I've ever shared this, but it just goes, goes to show you kind of how off my thinking be had become as the bachelor. But I remember there was a point where um, I was looking at one of the women on a date and I was just like so happy. And I was like, I don't want this to end. And I remember like thinking like, I want this, this experience to last forever Oh wow! because I, I like, I want her to be in my life, but and I, I want her to be in my life. Like I, this is so incredible. I've never been happier. I've never felt so much love. I've never felt so val valued. Yeah. Um, and then all of a sudden I, that the next thought came in, like, what are you thinking, dude? What do you mean? There's three women here. You have to end this. This is not forever. No. And that's when towards the end of this show, I started to get really kind of, I freaked out. And I, at one point I cried on camera. I was like, I realize I'm going to hurt someone because I've, I've already taken it too far. I, I've went, I've, you know, poured my entire heart into all this. And now um, you know, I've almost overcommitted to, and I have to like send a couple of these women home that I care for. Um, but like, I've, I've, I've probably went farther than I should have, but I, I just, I kind of got lost in the moment. Yeah, no, I mean, I feel like a lot, that's very relatable and an honest thing. Like, why wouldn't you want to keep living this life where these three people loved you and you're a traveling and it's this or that, like it, it's a conscious decision to snap out of it and be like, I have to see past the next however long this production is but you're also living in a fantasy world and that's the point of the show there's a reason you know the seasons where that they want you to be able to travel that they want to throw expensive things and the the dates where people get to like get all their new clothes and whatever because that's more fun you're not going to fall in love in like you know a shack like you can but that's more real but no one wants to watch that and they're not going to get you guys to do it in six weeks if so so it's all part of the plan and you just you, you really, you were in it and it's not necessarily, we all, maybe we're a little too harsh on you for just being in the process. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think, feel looking back. You know what, but I, I do think that there were some uh, critics out there that were on the money. Um, I lacked empathy. I lacked emotional intelligence. Uh, I, I didn't make the best decisions. I mean, there were weaknesses of mine that um, everyone, that people were calling out and they were right. It, it was the, it was things that I was struggling with. Um and one of the th one something that I really regretted was uh, at first I was very defensive post show. I was defending um, all of my actions without accepting accountability for what I had done. 
And so uh, I, I kept shooting myself in the foot where, where people were like, we get what, what you were thinking. It doesn't take away from the fact that you hurt these people and you're still not accepting accountability. And I wasn't accepting accountability because my ego was under attack and my ego was telling me, defend, 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 keep explaining yourself. And eventually everyone you'll, you'll make it click for everybody. And thankfully it never clicked for everybody. People got more angry and they were like, this guy continues to explain himself. And we, it's annoying just yeah. accept accountability. And finally I was just so just at that point, I was so just torn down that I thought, okay, this isn't working your way. So how about you maybe try accepting accountability and see how that goes. And, um, it was very rewarding. I started accepting accountability and, uh, and I was able to heal and then relationships around me were healed. I mean, it was really cool when just recently, like Rachel and I met up after like not talking to each other the entire, like for an entire year. And there was so much healing there. That conversation was so powerful. Um, I walked away from that experience and, and I just remember thinking like, man, like this just felt so rewarding. And I'm just so happy to know that even someone like her, after everything that happened, everyone that was mad at me, nobody could be more mad at me than her. Right. Yeah. Right. Like they're the ones who lived it. And so for her to forgive me and and tell me that, hey, um, I understand and and I don't hold this against you any longer. Um, that was probably one of the best things I could have heard, because it, I, it made me realize, like, if she can forgive me, that's the those are the that's the one person or two people that would have like they don't have any reason to. But if she can, then everything that I've done is forgivable and I, and I can grow from this and 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 I can allow myself to forgive myself. Right. Yeah. If, if they forgive me her specifically. I should be able to forgive myself. And so I did. And, and, that's you know, amazing. That's and what was so crazy is the internet was so quick to like ship you guys to be getting back together. I was like, everyone relax. I'm sure there's other people in the room. First of all, second of all, like they made a video, like it's, I'm glad they let us, you know, know they were all together. It's, it's great. But also like, they're probably, if I was assuming you guys weren't even going to talk about anything and it was like a, let's be friends or like, let's get through this day. But instead you were actually just had this nice conversation, made amends, had forgiveness, but like everyone like went to these crazy conclusions that you guys were going to start dating again. Yeah, it just goes to show. I mean, people, okay, they watch the show, they fantasize about, mm. they, they want to see it. Well, here's the thing. Okay. They see, they see me, they get to know me, then they see her. She has her own season with, with Gabby. And, and so people get to know you to a degree right. and they go, I like this person. I like this person. I want this to work. Um, and, and, and I think in a way too, people that get so invested in the show, um, they experience, well, I know that people experience a little bit of trauma as they watch it. Cause it reminds them of their past. And that's why you see all this emotion online. So I think part of the healing process for some people, they, they go, well, to make this all make sense, it would be really great to see these two get back together mm -hmm. and then we can all be happy. Right. It's like, there's right. a happy ending to it all. And we can all be, feel good about ourselves as opposed to feeling terrible after what happened. Um, and so I think people get super invested in it and they want to see the, the, amend, you know, those amends be made and, and healing. And they want to, you know, they want to see like this relationship of two people that they followed. But the reality is, is like, I mean, and, and her and I both talked about it. We said, you know, we, you know, we have very high thoughts of each other, but, but of course, like after what all happened, it's like, how do you, how would you ever go about dating again after all of what occurred? Right. Um, and, and she has, she doesn't have any interest in doing so. And I, and I, and I got that. And I, and I also was, you know, on my end, I'm like, you know what, after everything we went through, like being friends sounds very pleasant and let's just keep <laughs> it at that because, um, you know, also it's really hard to, to try to look past all of that anyways, right. Even if you heal from it, 
there was so much that went on. Uh, I sometimes feel like it's just better if you just from start from a clean slate. Yeah. There's a lot of mess from that entire experience. And I, I, I don't know if you can fully ever look past it because there was so much trauma attached to it. You can forgive yourself, but, but it's hard to forget it. And I think when, if you can't forget it, those emotions will always be there to some, some degree. And I think that's where it's, I, I realized I was like, you know what, I just need to start fresh from scratch and I need to be moved on and try it. When I try again, maybe go back in the real world and try again and do it that way. Or <laughs> if you ever try to talk to somebody in the in bachelor nation, like you should start with a clean slate, somebody that you don't have a connection with. Right. Prior, Cause that'll probably benefit you a lot better. What was interesting about you and Susie post-show is I think when people were, I know that she dealt with her own backlash, you dealt with your own backlash, but together it made sense to me that you would be leaning on each other and kind of bonding through this. I know I feel like you've even said, like, I don't know how I would have gotten through some of those days without Susie. She probably feels the same way about you. You guys like had this shared trauma bond almost, but then was that ultimately what it was keeping you together? But then it also kind of pulled you apart. I feel like I've heard you say like, cause there was so much like emotion attached to it and like, it wasn't healthy, but at the same time you guys needed each other and you leaned on each other, which is a beautiful side of it. So was it just too complicated? <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. And there's two sides of every story. And I think, um, you know, I, I don't, I would never want to speak for her, but, uh, and so, you know, we've been very careful with what we shared because so much of what we went through is private and it doesn't need to be shared. Um, you know, this, that's our, my experience. And then, um, you know, she had her experience and, but, but, I think like, that's why for us, we just wanted to ultimately be there for each other and be supportive. And that's why we've been very adamant um, about letting people know that like, Hey, I have, I, I got nothing but love for her. Um, we both know that we, we could have done things differently, but like ultimately uh, the outcome was the outcome. And as we tried to heal though, uh, we all, we both, I mean, honestly, it was really, really complicated because um, we were pitted against each other. We we really were like it was that with that night of the show where where I lost my cool, uh, which I still am embarrassed by to this day. But uh, when I lost my cool, it became Susie versus Clayton, right? right. Like not, not not between her and I, but yeah, between the, the audience. audience it was Camp Susie, Camp Clayton, and so then all of a sudden, what do you what, what can you imagine? I was getting all the Camp Clayton people in my DMs telling me that she was wrong to do this, and then she was getting all the Camp Susie DMs. And so what it did was it, it it just validated our internal thoughts and beliefs. Well, now we're button heads because now we're both like, I got this many people saying this. You have this many people saying this. Who's right? Who's wrong? The fact of the matter was, is all that noise on the outside had no idea what was going on internally. And we should have cut all that off. And she did a better job than I did. I, I, I allowed that outside noise because of my insecurities to have an impact on me and my decisions. Uh, and I allowed my ego to be validated by this external noise. Well, you can't heal when you're pitted against each other. And it became, I'm trying to heal. You're trying to heal. When I wake up and I'm happy, fine for one day, you're, you're struggling. So now I'm sharing your pain. So it was this constant struggle and depression and it just wore us down. I mean, it just absolutely just, just destroyed us to where um, I didn't want to get out of bed certain days. Uh, my days would start at 11 a.m. because I just didn't want to get out and do stuff because I had no drive to live life. And, uh, you know, and it, it just was we just I remember just kind of like looking at each other and thinking, like, we have to heal separately because we can't like art. We can't take this any longer. Like, I'm so destroyed that like there's nothing left. I have zero like energy to fight this battle any longer. Yeah. Um, and it was just a really sad place to be. I mean. Yeah, I uh, I'm gonna get a little emotional. Oh but, God! Um, Aww. 
We it love vulnerability. Sucked. That's what the book teaches us. Everyone can be vulnerable. It just sucked because, um, yeah, like our last day together, we, uh, you know, we we had already knew that we were ending things. Um, but I stayed in a couple extra days after we broke up, and you know, we just turned on a movie. She, I, she actually had a, a projector was sent into her, and we had this. She, we we fired up the projector, turned on a movie, ordered a bunch of you know uh, food to the house. And just cracked up and laughed and cried and every single emotion um, on that last day. And it, and then, you know, I got up at 5 a.m. and drove away and that was it. Wow. And uh, it was just so odd because we had, we had so much fun that last day. And I think we both though realized that like there's so much pain attached to all of this. And after all the damage that was already done, like, I don't know if we can repair this. And the best thing we can do right now is separate and 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 do this separately. And is there a chance down the road that this could happen? We don't know. And but like, let we we can't stay together any longer because it's just it's there's just nothing. There's no we have nothing left to give. Um, so it was tough. I mean, it's a really hard place to be when you feel like it's out of your control and you make the decision, but ultimately you feel like the decision was almost made for you yeah. um, by the outside. So I remember yeah. I talked to her in December and she said, you guys like weren't really talking. Cause like, it was like hard to be friends. But then I feel like literally a week later, you guys were commenting on those Instagrams and you're friends again. I'm like, did my headline make everyone friends again? Or was it just, you know, literally you had, were talking the next day by chance. Um, yeah, I think, uh, for for me, I mean, I told her I needed space at first because uh, I, I couldn't I couldn't like look. I had to I had to mute her profile for a bit. Like I couldn't see her posts, her stories because it, it just reminded me of what I did. I no longer had, and and it hurts. Like I was like, I want you to be in my life, but you're no you no longer are. And so I had to cut that off. And I, I was like, I need to just be. I need to heal, but like I can't heal if I'm seeing you constantly pop up. So I, I just, and she said, I get it. Like she gave me space. Um, but then I realized like, I didn't want to just X her out of my life completely. And I said, you know, Clayton, you, you've, you've gotten to that place where like you've taken your time, but you can be friends with her and, and you want someone like her in your life, even as a friend, because after all you went through, like she's done so much for you and she's an incredible person and you don't want to just like cancel her out for good. Right. And so um, I opened that door back up and just said, Hey, listen, like, uh, my line's always open. I, I, I don't want to, to continue to just ignore like, or like, I, cause she wasn't ignoring me, but I said like, I didn't want to like, I don't want, I want this line to be open because only us two have the full story. Only us two really exp like, we're the only two that went through this experience. So there's nobody else that I can talk to besides you about this. Um, and I said, and I feel like I need that and, and, and for my healing, right? Like I, I need somebody that understands me and what, what happened. And thankfully she felt similar as far as like, it, it is nice to talk to somebody that understands. Um, and so it opened the door back up and now, um, I just have so much respect for her. And I think it's like, it's really cool because, uh, I can, I can pick up the phone and call her whenever, if I want to. Um, and you know, she's there and super supportive and is always, you know, chat we're, we're touching base, but you know, of course I know that they, whenever she finds somebody or vice versa, like we'll have to cut ties. But for the time being, um, having her as a friend in my life is, is, is a really great gift. And she's, um, such an incredible person that like, I just want to surround myself with people that, um, are great people. And like, she's one of them. Wow. Oh my God. I could talk to you forever. And I do have like two more questions, but I feel bad. I mean, we've been on a roller coaster. I'm loving it. Yeah. <laughs> That's my life. Big old roller coaster. Um, 
What are your thoughts about dating these days? Do you, are you enjoying it again? Is it like, do you, I know you have said that you feel like you grew five years worth in a couple months, which makes sense. I think a lot of people come off the show, whether they had a great, good experience or bad experience. That's one good thing is they learn so much about like how to speak about their emotions, what they want in a partner, what they don't want. So for you, do you feel like you've kind of been able to take all of that? You're working on your mental health. It's just a constant thing. Obviously you've written this book. You're working on getting into like real estate. You've got a lot going on, but is there something that you are specifically looking for in a partner that maybe you didn't know before? Are you just, are you worried about that? Are you focused on it or are you letting it come as it comes? Like how, what's your state of mind about all of that? Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm just open to, uh, to exploring. Uh, I think one of the biggest things that I look for in a, in a person now that I would have never even probably mentioned the word, but, um, I, I look for somebody that's, um, you know, very mindful, self-aware. That's like one of the probably best qualities I, I could find in a person. That's something that I look for. And on, and on the flip side, a massive pet peeve of mine now is willful ignorance. So uh, that's that's new to me as well. If somebody is willfully ignorant and they just don't want to learn some, the other side of whatever it is, I'm instantly turned off by that. So um, I'm looking for someone who's yeah open minded uh, and and self aware and uh, those that's 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 above everything else. As far as what they look like, um, I, I don't care. Like it doesn't to me. Um, I had a type at one point prior to the show. Uh, as far as kind of like, if you ask me, uh, what would your perfect, like perfect woman look like? I would have placed a lot more emphasis on the physical characteristics. Mm. It's not that they're not important. I still like, you know, I still like someone who's, you know, athletic and, 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 and you know, uh, likes to work out because that's my life. I like to work out. So it'd be great if I could find someone that also likes to, to, to do those things and be outdoorsy and all that. Right. But I realized that like the emphasis on the, on the physical aspect of things, I was like, it's just. I, it's not as important as like what's internal to that person, right? Like that's more what I'm, I want. And so, uh, so today's dating world to me, looks a little bit, a lot different, right? I, I used to date based off of physical attraction. It was like the first thing, right? The dating apps, all that. It was like, oh, this person's hot. All right. I'm swiping right on you, but right. I'm going to swipe, I'm going to swipe left on you because you, you just in those, in the one second that I'm looking at your photos. Cause it's like, you know, it's like apparently people look like one second they swipe, but it's like, oh, you just don't fit the mold from a physical standpoint, swipe left. And you might've just swiped left on a perfect person for you. Uh, so for me now, I'm just like very much having conversations left and right. When I go out, um, I, I just have those conversations and I'm like, you never know who's going to just like spark that, that, that fire that you're like, you know what, like there's something about that person. I want to go on another day with them. So, uh, so yeah, my dating life nowadays is just, I'm just super open having conversations with everybody. Cause you never know when that one person that maybe you wouldn't have given a chance to prior might end up being the one for you. So, uh, but with that being said, it's, it's, uh, my, my dating life is complicated. I am doing all these other things. So, uh, I, I probably am not giving it enough effort and I've met some incredible women, but like, I'm so focused on myself right now and yeah. building something that, uh, I I'm not giving it, you know, as much time and energy to somebody. Uh, so either they're going to understand that and they're going to give me my space and allow me to build right now, or they're going to say, Hey, he's, he just can't give me what I need right now. So I'm not interested. And I'm, and I probably have lost a few people to that, but, uh, I, I have to do what's best for me first. So, um, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at right now. And was it a date when you were on that jumbotron or were you just sitting next to a pretty girl and we all assumed you were on a date? That was a date. <laughs> that was a date. I, now yeah. they've added pressure of people like me asking or seeing pictures of that. And that's going to follow you for a little bit. And that makes it hard too, but you also probably root out 
good and bad. You know what I mean? Like it sucks, yeah. but it's kind of cool. I don't know. It's I, uh, I feel bad, but yeah, I think also that was, you know, it became a bigger deal because like I was just seen with Rachel. So right. um, everyone was like, he's with, maybe he's with Rachel. So then also, and of course, you know, a few days later I'm in Kentucky and, and everyone's, and that's why I think it kind of blew up because everyone was like, right. Oh my gosh, no, he's with this girl right now. And um, I just remember kind of like laughing about it and, and, and telling her, I was like, I'm sorry. Uh, I didn't expect to be put on the jumbotron. Like I didn't think this attention was going to come. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, thankfully, I mean, she's, she's someone who's, uh, spends a lot of time in, in front of like, a camera. It's her job. And so she, she yeah. understood and was like, Hey, I get it. Um, but it still was a lot. I, I, that was, that was my first experience of going on a date really with somebody where I was kind of captured by the public. And then I'm like, okay, so my dating life is a public spectacle now, even mm-hmm. though I'm off the show, we're still having these discussions, but that's just what, that's just what it's, comes from. It, that's so. the new normal. Well, yeah. my last question for you to kind of full circle, we went on the bachelor journey, the book journey, which for people who are listening or reading, us weekly right now, hearing this, you, you talk a lot about like seventh grade, like you go to like middle school, like it's like a lot. It's not obviously not just the show. Um, It just all does a lot of it. A lot of the things you learn that you've learned now apply to what you wish you knew during the show, which is kind of why it's an easy way to talk about it also through the show. But what would be your number one skill or tool that you know now that you genuinely think if you knew when you were The Bachelor wouldn't have necessarily changed an outcome because, you know, that's a that's a what if game is a long way to go. But like something you wish you knew that internally you think you would have had like the end, maybe the, the at the re- end result, you wouldn't have gone through maybe such intense depression or just anything you wish you knew that you know now about how to cope and how to like live life in a more positive way that could have changed maybe some of the hurt or heartbreak that kind of had to go down. Self-awareness. Yeah. I mean, that was an easy one. As you started saying that, I'm like, it popped in my head and I was like, there's no nothing else even close to it. Uh, I just never spent enough time in my own head and to deep dive into my emotions and what I was feeling. But also, I, I mean, self, I, I should just say awareness in general, because I also mean situational. I think um, self-awareness, I, I wish I would have had. I also wish I would have had situational awareness because uh, I would have then pulled myself out of the roles of the bachelor and put myself in the shoes of the women. And I would have said, well, I wonder what they're thinking more like, how would they feel in this last week? Uh, and I, I believe if I would have just done that, like I, I, I just assumed, Hey, if they have a problem, they'll come speak to me about it. So whenever they meet up with me, their smiles, I'm all smiles. We're going on these great dates. Things are great. And if you have a problem, you'll bring it up, you know, at the dinner portion of the night. So, uh, but I, I should have still, um, you know, situational awareness would have had me go the extra mile and and say, you know, just Clayton, this this environment's a little different. Like you should probably just double check, you know, so that we know that everyone's on the same page. Not assume uh, because this is a very you know unique environment. So you should like anything could go could go off the grid or off the you know, off script real quick. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that the awareness. Uh, if I would have had that. Um, yeah, it would have been, I think it would have been a completely different season uh, all yeah. the way through. Um, so um, not not to, I don't think, it, I'm not, I won't be going back on. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think anyone wants to see me there twice, but. Uh, but you know, I think I would love to watch Clayton 2.0 go at uh, it. <laughs> no, I don't think anybody else does. But at the end of the day, um, I need to be the Clayton that I was then to be the Clayton I am today. So, yeah. uh, so you know, full circle, uh, I'm, I'm very grateful that I learned all that I did. And I'm glad that a lot of healing has occurred and seemingly the damage I caused has been repaired enough where I can put my head down at night, take a deep breath and be grateful that 
I'm, you know, that those days are behind me. Yeah, I think so. Does your mom still get to watch the show or did you ruin that for her? <laughs> <laughs> I did kind of ruin it for her. Honestly, I feel terrible. She even said, she was joking with me, but she goes, you ruined my favorite show. I was like, I go, I know. I was like, mom, I, was like, I did not expect this to go the way it did. I was like, mom, I did not either. Trust me. And I, I just am thankful that you still love me. Uh, and she does. And she loves me to, to, to pieces. And, and, uh, and she still watches it. She can uh, go on Love is, she can watch Love is Blind. There's plenty of other shows for her to watch. They're still all good. She, she still watches. <laughs> she, she, she just had a little slight fallout, but she's back. She's like, I, I still can't. It's my show. I've been watching for life. I was like, yeah, mom, I get it. Like, that's kind of hilarious that she's yeah, still watching. Yeah. She's like, you know what? I want to be entertained for two hours at on Monday nights. Like, let me live. That's her thing. She's like, that don't take this away from me. And although I almost did as her son, uh, I'm happy to report she's back. So wow, well, amazing. The book 180 Degrees is available everywhere, correct? Yeah, I mean everywhere. It's on Amazon. Amazon. So uh, the easiest way to people go on my Instagram. It's I funnel everything through one channel. Uh, you can click on the link in my bio, or just go to claytonecker.com, and you can find the link there. Uh, so very easy to to, to find. And uh, yeah, I mean I'm hoping that it gets in to as many hands as possible because I think that it's just a quick quick read, uh, but I think it can, you know, help a person or two uh, with their own journeys. And I do, I actually love the word journey. So don't worry about giving me PTSD. <laughs> I use that it's, all the it's time. It's really, it's, I get the joke about it, but it is the right word for a lot of this stuff. I tried to find a replacement because I thought when it, when I talked about the dissociation, I said, I got to yeah. get rid of this word too. Like you got to get rid of everything you, you, you grab from this experience, but journey just is the best word for it. There is no other, yeah. other word. I mean, experience sounds temporary. It sounds more manufactured. To me, journey encapsulates the highs and the lows and, and everything in between. It just, it's, it's, it is, it's a process. It's a, it's a, it's a long marathon. It's, it's not a race. Um, and so I, I, to me, I was like, unless we can find a better word for it, journey will continue to be in my vocabulary from, from here on out. So. Oh my God. Well, thank you so much for going on this journey with me. Um, this was so fun. Come back anytime, Clayton. We can, we can talk forever next time. You know, this, this is great. Yeah. No, one thing is I'm not short for words. So I probably pushed you over your time limit more well beyond what you were expecting, but thank you for talking to me today. I really do greatly appreciate it. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Here for the Right Reasons, Us Weekly's Bachelor podcast. Don't forget to like, subscribe, share, tell your friends about this podcast, and come back every week for more Bachelor breakdowns.